Welcome, everybody, to Broadcast Team Alpha, where we bring you cutting-edge conversation while exploring the quantum possibilities. And we are going to do it again tonight. Uh, our guest is a returning guest. We've had this, this lovely gentleman on several times. Augie's going to tell you about him. And and his and our other guest who is joining for uh, other reasons that will become illuminated during the talk tonight. But as always, I just want to thank you for being here. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your super chats. Thank you, of course, for the lively chat that goes on in the chat room. If you have any questions for our guest tonight, if you could put them in capital letters, I would be able to see them more readily. And of course, I want to invite you over to the Mastermind Connection. It's our spiritual think tank. It is a gathering for manifesting the amazing world that is taking shape. You know, we've still got a little bit of work to do. We've got a little, you know, a few more things to clean up, but it is shifting and love has already won. On Sunday at 2 p.m., we get together, we decide what we would like to see as if it is happening in the world, in ourselves, in our loved ones, which includes people being healed. And then in a beautiful kind of uh, guided imagery meditation, we all see it together, but in our own way. And we imprint that beautiful image out into the quantum realm where amazing things begin to take place. So if you'd like to join us, you can send an email to themastermindconnection at gmail.com. Augie will send you the link. It's 2 p.m. Eastern. It's for an hour. Then the second hour, we hang around and talk and have great discussion or watch videos. So you're, you're always welcome. Hi, Tim. I see you in the chat room. Shout out to everybody in the chat room. Augie, please tell us about our guests. Yes, this is going to be fun. And uh, starting out, I want to say the first, we have two guests here today, and one of them, uh, Dr. Jonathan Reed, is a returning guest to Broadcast Team Alpha, and uh, the other gentleman that is with us is Daniel McEvoy. I hope I said that right. Uh, at least I got close, and gosh, there he disappeared, went right off the of the screen here, but hopefully he'll be back because we're going to hear from him. And uh, Jonathan Reed, a uh, couple of decades or a little over that, he had an incredible experience. It's probably one of the best documented and most highly investigated and verified story with pictures and videos and sound. And uh, hardly anybody seems to know about the verification of the story, because it's hardly ever talked about. And that's what we're going to do today, because right. there is a lot of evidence dug into on the movie footage, the pictures, and even the bracelet that was given to Jonathan by the extraterrestrial. So... Um, I am sure hoping that uh, Daniel can make it back here. Maybe the lights went out again because he had a problem earlier because of the wind, I guess, and the weather. He uh, the, the lights went out in his house, and then three, four minutes later, the lights came back. So uh, 
I guess we, we're just going to have to do what we can. In the meantime, Jonathan, welcome to the show. Welcome thank you, Augie. Hey. Hi. Thank you, Nori. I appreciate this opportunity as, as normal. This is becoming a series that we are doing. And uh, I think the best thing for people to do if they want to know more about me is to go back and re-listen re re to one of our previous uh, interviews where I go into detail about my encounter in the woods of Washington State in 1996 and how I came forward with this information and what has entailed ever since an ongoing communication contact with this little gray. Uh, tonight with Dan McAvoy, I hope we can have him talk about all his experiences and encounters in researching my case. He was one of the head researchers that delve into a two plus year investigation of my background, of my education, of my work processes and schedules, and yep. what all else we could find. Yeah, and that's what's missing in a lot of people's mind because they haven't heard a lot of talk about this. In fact, uh, I, I have just, I gotta say this, uh, I have a little bit of a uh, verification on my own because uh, well over two decades ago now, uh, Jonathan, you were on Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. And yes, Art sir. Bell said on the air that this song is so strange that he had to investigate it. And I think I learned possibly a a term from him when he talked about it, he said, we wanted to run it up the flagpole and see if we can get people to salute it. And he Correct. said, he said that we took the movie, the original movie footage to the people who made the film, which was, I guess, Kodak. And well, they actually, those were, those were from the photographs. Oh, OK. The film from the photographs. But there was also videotape. Yeah. I just want to yeah. be clear on that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he, he talked to Kodak, and uh, and they've investigated it, and they found there were no dislocation, no manipulation of the pictures. Right, so, they were made contemporaneously with the time that the film was produced and manufactured, so it all worked out to be accurate, genuine, and no hokey pokey, so to speak. Yeah. yeah, and when I heard that, my ears perked up because when I listened to the story that you told, it sounded so far out there. When you have a yeah. story like that, it needed a specific and a good verification too. Let me say, Augie, which I like to say when people listen to anything I'm presenting, is if this event had not have happened to me, if I had not seen all the evidence myself and witnessed it and really was part of it, hey, I wouldn't believe it either. And that's okay. <laughs> I tell people it's all right, you know, because it was a very strange event with complications and complexities beyond the wildest dream. 
Yep. Hey, Daniel is back. Uh, stay with us now. There you are. And uh, hello. Yeah, I Daniel. My apologies. Yeah, that's. I know you got issues with the uh, internet over there. But yeah. Yeah. I I put together just a little bit of an introduction for you, but since you disappeared off the screen, I wanted to mm -hmm. wait. Now you're back, so I'm going to do it. And Good. Uh, thank you. Yeah, and uh, now Daniel McAvoy, he, um, I want to say just a few things here. Uh, he's got a degree in history, and also, being a pilot, I'm, I have to say this. He is also a, an 82nd Airborne Infantry Paratrooper. And I want to say that, Daniel, that you got more guts than I do. <laughs> I I logged a lot of flight with a with a parachute on my back teaching aerobatics, but I couldn't see right. a single reason to leave a perfectly healthy airplane. <laughs> Especially at a thousand feet. It, it doesn't yeah. leave much time. Ooh. Oh man, oh man, okay. Well he uh Daniel has been on the front end of the research into this anomaly. And I'm calling it anomaly because none of it makes sense if you look at it from the outside. And uh, I thought that since you were so deeply involved with it, you would be the one to explain the verification and what you went through. And uh, between Nori and I, we might even have some questions for you. So <laughs> I don't know where we want to go with this, Nori. Well, I think what, what I would love to do is just back up a tiny bit and give a really quick overview for the people who are <laughs> tuning in and don't really know the backstory, right, with Dr. Reed. So if we could Good. just um, do a Reader's Digest version of what happened, Jonathan. Well, I'll try, I'll try my best. Okay. okay. <laughs> like I said, the best thing people could do would be really to go back and review the older interviews we did, yes. because it takes hours and hours and hours to understand the complexities. But let me tell you, basically, uh, I was a medical doctor for 25 years in the Pacific Northwest, Seattle, Washington. I went for a walk, day hike in the uh, Cascade Mountains, which is about 60 miles from my home, took my dog, Susie, a golden retriever. Um, and we went for this beautiful afternoon hike, walking and running through the woods and pristine wilderness. And what happened briefly is my dog ran off and got tangled up with a little gray creature, unknown to me because she was out of sight. But once I got up next to her and found my way, I saw her in this cataclysmic situation where she was in, in some respects hanging from one end of this creature's arm or biting his arm, I thought at the time, but it turned out that's not what happened. Uh, the creature was defending himself from my dog, which he, may have took as a wild animal, came, a, came upon him so quickly that he couldn't escape. When I was on the scene, I took a step forward, saw what was going on, and, and hit him as hard as I could with a branch that I'd picked up on the trail. Because I thought it could have been a bear 
or a wildcat that my dog was entangled with because she was barking profusely and squealing and crying out in pain. So I was a little bit prepared within a second or two, hit this creature in the head, knocked it down as my dog fell to the ground in ash, a white powdery ash, nothing left of her body. Uh, she was disintegrated more or less. And I had no idea what was going on. I This was out of my realm. I was a, a, a non-believer, a skeptic, to be sure. And it went on from there. That's the initial encounter that happened. So Dan McAvoy, once I presented this case internationally, came forward and said, I'd like to in, in basically investigate your case, do the research, do the groundwork, and find out what solid evidence can be found from this. Because, of course, it's very unusual. It's in, insane when you first look at it from the outside. So Dan McAvoy, along with a handful of other researchers, uh, the likes of Wendell Stevens, uh, Bob Dean, uh, John Mack, Donald Ware, uh, Jaime Masson, all put together a plan to investigate my case. And so that's how it started. Hi, Kitty. And I just, uh, Dan jumped in, headed this team as they traded information back and forth. Uh, the research that went on lasted over two and a half years of Dan literally following in my footsteps back to where I lived, back to my friends, uh, and compiling all of this data which needed to be documented. Because at the time, I didn't know what was needed. I wasn't into this. I was almost running for my life due to other circumstances that went along with this case. And Dan can talk to you more about that. But that's how it began. That's good. And just a little more backstory. I have to say, you know, after knowing you for a couple of years now, this is one of the stories that has been run around the mill and ripped up and debated and shredded for you know more than I think right. others. Right. So, soon as I went, uh, soon as I went public, the dark government got involved and started tearing down everything that was on the web. We had websites with this information, lots of data on there. And one after the other, these websites were taken down. I can't even put up a website today because it will be taken down within moments. Now, I haven't tried within the last two months, but that's the problem of this. They wanted people not to believe this case. So they destroyed as much credibility as they could with me, my family, my parents, my scholastics, my uh, full education, my employment at the University of Washington Medical School, they said I didn't even work there. They went and threatened people that if they identified me as an employee, that even they could lose their job and or worse. So this became a, a serious threat and running from this type of situation. Uh, let me just say that people say, well, maybe it's not true. Well, there's 14 people to date who are dead 
that happened to help me during the last 28 years. And they're all the deaths and circumstances of their passing are not natural. And and you can't deny death. I mean, it's an yeah. absolute. It dries a line in the sand. So mm. Dan knew some of these people. Dan had met with a few of these people. He knew the circumstances. And even he, Dan, as an independent researcher from us, from my team, was harassed and threatened, his home broken into, uh, many, many things. And he'll tell you more about it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, hear about that. We didn't lose Dan, did we? Nope. No, I'm, I'm, I'm back. Okay. I'm back. Okay. We just lost his face. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> wow. There he is. So there he was. Dan, Dan so be... enter Dan. Now, explain for us how how you fit into the story now, please, and 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 what you have substantiated. That would be great. Okay, great. It, I I listened to Jonathan at, on the Art Bell Show back in 1999, and uh, I became fascinated. Or excuse me, thank you, Jonathan. Ninety-eight um, became fascinated with with the story, with uh, all the various and and UFOs doesn't really uh, capture the essence as much as it was an, an anomalous event with a lot of sides to it, and and you know I wanted to, and I came to him and said to him, look, you know, I I will I will get to the I will substantiate what you're having uh look at everything you want to present and Daniel, I'll Daniel do... sorry good let me let me add in you flew from Delaware to uh Nevada to hear me speak in public the very second time that I ever spoke and at the time I was with Robert Wraith my co-author and uh it was the first time we had spoke in a large venue but after witnessing after daniel witnessed us speaking he then came forward and wanted to talk to me privately if he could to see if i would allow him to help research my case mm. go ahead dan <clears throat> yes that's what happened and like i said i was fascinated by the story so i said to him either way it falls as you know I'll I'll make that a part of the record. If, it, if it's not true, if it's a hoax, if it's uh, unsubstantiated, I'll go public with that. I said, if I find it something else or I definitively find out, I'll go public with that, too. Um, and I'm willing to, uh, you know, I have oral history video folks talking to me about this case. I've got documents. I've got I've got a lot of stuff that I that over the years I had to develop in order for me to believe, you know, I could talk to Jonathan and, and we've been together. I've known him 25 years now, but in the very beginning, it wasn't that way until I figured out, I and mean, I did for myself the research and I had to, 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 and, re and to reach out to people throughout the community. Um, 
um, from all the, the whole spectrum. And there were a lot of people who were interested in wanting to help. There were a lot of people who didn't want to help. And you yeah, know, it was Dan, outside me, their definition. Let me add in there. When Dan says there were a lot of people, let me explain that he flew on his own dime everywhere up and down Southern California to two universities that I went to uh, to check out my my actual attendance at those two universities, one San Diego State, the other one that was UCLA, which I graduated from both. Then I went to the University of Washington and graduated from there also. And he flew to all these places, talking to people who were scholastically involved with me, professors, uh, insurance agents, uh, people who I rented houses from, all to substantiate the fact that my life really did exist, that I was, in fact, a real person. So Daniel did the, the, the walking. He did all the steps, the legwork, and sat down with these people to see if, in fact, I was who they said I wasn't. Because there was such a cover-up going on, you couldn't believe anything. And and they the government did a great job of destroying my credibility. I'll tell mm -hmm. you. And this is before the internet. This is back when the internet was just in its infancy. So mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of research available online at that time. Dan, go ahead. Uh, and that was that was the I what I think was the key to it was to look at you and 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 to to restore the the faith that you did even exist because it was all gone i had i had years to try and find people and you were willing and and, and open to me talking with your friends talking with your former employers talking with with your academics talking with everyone involved in your life you said that was okay and I documented as best I could on video, in writing, in, in you know, in, in my own personal observance of things. So mm -hmm. um, that was because of, because of some of the negativity. There were also people who didn't want to participate, which I totally understand, you know, because there was a dangerous aspect to this because people got beat up. People got. Uh, uh, followed to their home and access their lives as well in a very, very negative way. So mm -hmm. we had to be very careful how we did this. Yeah, and I, I also remember that you talked about the, there wasn't just Daniel. There were other people involved investigating also, like Art Bell. I remember on the air, he said that he was going to check up on the... Uh, on the uh, on the the pictures and the movie footage, and then uh, right. the last time thing I remember where he said that we ran it by the people that made the film, and they found nothing right. wrong with the pictures and the film. So they Kodak verified that the it was real, and right. I know and that have you that have. Wait uh, a yeah, minute. I... There were other people like Colonel Wendell Stevens. Bud Hopkins, Bob Dean, phenomenal, knowledgeable, and credible people in the UFO community. 
In addition, right. they didn't find anything wrong when they investigated. Right. And all of their information that they found was compiled with Dan McAvoy so that he led the team and he compiled all of these tidbits of information, shall we call it, so yeah. that we could create a plethora of facts, not speculation, absolute facts. So, and, yeah. and that also included in looking into the evidence, the photographic evidence, the, the negatives from those photographs, the videotape was analyzed also by video experts found to be a single frame, non-multiple exposure uh, fact, videotape. Yeah. And then we have other aspects that Dan can also verify and talk about, which included a sample of the blood and the tissue from this alien who I gave to a, a head pathologist at the University of Washington Medical School to do a DNA analysis on, which he did. So that's, in addition, that's one of the things that nobody has ever been able to present actual uh, alien blood and tissue sp speak about that that blood and the dna speak about that okay yeah, make, well make, like uh, i like i said dr roger haggett was the head pathologist at the university of washington medical school he worked in the same hospital that i did different department i was in developmental psychiatrics but somebody who i knew somebody who i would occasionally see in the lunchroom or passing, but we knew each other. Uh, we both had a common interest in automobiles. But what I did is I took, blindly took these samples to him and I said, Roger, I need to know what is this? If you can identify what kind of creature this is, that's what I was looking for. And he knew that I hiked a lot in the woods and went in the woods with my dog. So he wasn't completely shocked at this question, but I asked him to do what he could to find out what it was. So he did a DNA chromosome analysis test. He found that this blood had 46 chromosomes, which is the same as you and me, Augie. Humans have 46 chromosomes, but he found that nine pair, nine pair were not human. They were only closely related to what he could find as dolphin and sea tortoise, but all the rest were human. So what we're looking at is we're looking at a creature that was genetically engineered, a mix of chromosome, which we can't do to this day. We do not have the ability in science to mix chromosomes to be a living creature. OK, we're just on the edge of that technology today. Remember, this was back in 1996. We're a mm. long time away from where we were. But he said when he saw this, he came to me and brought this information, Dr. Haggett, and said, where did you get this? And I said, well, it was something that I found in the forest. And he said, I don't know what it is but I know that we can't produce it. He said, there's nothing in our science that can mix up this kind of technology. 
at least not yet. So this is what you're looking at. It's a new species. And he said, I'd like to publish that under my name because it's a brand new species and it's something extremely unique that we hardly ever find. And I said, fine. He went back to uh, reprocess a little bit more of the tissue to verify his own findings. And within three days, he was murdered in his own office in the University of Washington. Somebody came into his office, put a gun to Dr. Haggett's head, killed him, and then killed himself. The assailant killed himself in a locked office. Wow. Now listen to this. A few <laughs> hours later, after the, his receptionist had basically called the authorities to come and tell them what had happened, these people came in and basically confiscated everything from his office, from his video and, and uh, computer files, hard disks, uh, paper files as well, out of his office, totally took it out in boxes, mm. carried it off into their vans about 10 minutes before the actual police arrived. Oh. So think about this. This was somebody totally unrelated with the local investigation into a murder. These people confiscated all his files. Now, why would that be? You know, just use your head for a minute and think, yeah, gee, yeah. that's that's kind of unusual, you know, and that's well, the way this entire case goes. It's so unusual. It is yeah. difficult to believe. Uh, what about you, Daniel? Uh, did you ever talk to this doctor that did this or what, what thoughts do you have on this? Did we Since lose? I've been involved there. It, it's been it's been a long struggle. People were willing to go on the record in terms of uh, an oral history on videotape, in writing, and there were a lot of people who wanted no part of it. And so, uh, because obviously no one's ever seen anything like this. Yeah. But Dan, Dan, you you met Dr. Haggett for a brief right. moment prior to him letting out his information. And then and then it was neutralized. The fact that he even did anything and you even worked at the University of Washington with him, anything that that he could have given me, he did. And that was that was only, as you said, minutes from from when I came out to Seattle and and it was very brief. And it was that in in and of itself going in was was something that I've never heard of. So how do you how do you prove that other than incredible with a guy like that who was willing to do it and then do, not only do it but document it and wow well we prove it with really, you we're talking about DNA and chromosomes we're talking on a whole nother level and he was willing to talk to me but. And he would be and and he was willing to do video and he was willing to provide me with his uh, scientific reports. Mm -hmm. And he could die before I could get back to the coast and, and talk to him and do all this. And yep. I just think it's, you know, it, 
that's what made this thing extremely difficult. But there were credible people who, you know, research from from that DNA perspective to the paranormal perspective to uh, to, to proving my spiritual, background. Uh, I mean, to proving uh, my background look, in regard to the University of California, UCLA. You talked to one of my professors. And and that's what I documented at, on video, on cassette recordings, in writing. I logged everything in date, time. I spoke to people who taught you. I spoke to people who went to school with you. I spoke to your family. I talked to uh, and anyone and everyone I could. And the deeper I went, the more difficult it got, mm-hmm. you know, to where it became personal on me, you know, to where uh, I never did anything public until 1999, 2000. And when I did my life change, I don't mind having, I don't mind having a heavy gun safe in my house. I hate to say, but you know, at at that point, I, I, how crazy is this? I take my wife, we go to see Tom Jones and Trent, Tom Jones. We come back to my house, my doors open. The second floor window is open and the dog is out on the lawn, hip broken, basically dead. I don't know how that happened. I was two hours away, but neighbors say we could see things in your house. We we noticed that a window was open that wasn't before, but no one said anything. No one noticed. But didn't they say they saw some people coming in and out of your house in and out of the house and you know i called the police you know the police really documented anything other than a dog died i know the windows were closed i know he wouldn't jump out the window right and right well dan dan also talked to i guess in in terms of a lot of people, the one that really stood out the most was Dr. John Mack, uh, who I asked to specifically look at you from a psychological perspective, from a psychiatric perspective. In addition to documenting that, I spent a lot of time with that guy looking at you. And everyone that I talked to, I heard the pros and the cons, and he was significant. Wendell Stevens was significant. Uh, Bud Hopkins was significant. Um, Bob Dean, Jaime Mousson, he he and had the resources to really get into this thing. And that's what I didn't have. I, I as you said, I did this myself financially. Uh, I took time and um, and had limited resources, but I did everything that I could to die. But Jaime. And I, let me, let me, but I told you, but I told you that if I found out you were not being truthful, if I found out that this was not as it was, I'd tell people that. I'd go on our bell and tell him that. Right. But as, Dan, as, let me say, let me tell you that Jaime Masson not only talked about this case in public on international television, but his own team did the physical research too. They flew to the Pacific Northwest. I took them to the actual site where this all took place. They took tree samples and fern samples and dirt samples and had them analyzed independently from him by 
uh, a doctor of uh, atomic medicine, and they found that there was a, a leftover residual radiation in the trees, in the bark, and in the forest, right exactly where this happened. And nothing out from it, nothing 300 feet away, there was nothing unusual. Mm -hmm. But that man did the same thing Dan did. He compiled all his information. He then gave it to Dan and and we added that in to our to our findings. And to what this day he he backs up everything he found. Yeah, what kind of radiation was that? Was it uh yeah what what kind of radiation did he find? Being irradiated, um, that the genetics of plants nearby were altered, that the soil uh, uh, was radioactive. You could measure it on a Geiger counter. And um, they took all that information back to Mexico City. They came back, went back. This was perhaps a year into it. And the complete landscape of that place had changed. The entire forest floor was covered in pebbles and rocks, and the radiation levels were almost not even there. And it was there was clearing of land, clearing of trees. It was significant. And this is in the middle of the forest. This is in the exactly. middle of the forest. Exactly. You know, and and the first time there was a there was a stillness, a quiet that really didn't happen in the woods, you know, or or that that's the way it was. And then when we came back the second time, boy, there was a lot of unusual traffic. Just people appeared in this forest clearing out of nowhere. And you know, how right. do you document that other than experiencing it yourself? Get as much video as we could, which we did, and and in writing, I mean that that's that's I mean, this isn't a UFO thing. No, deeper than that. Dan, refer yeah, to your your list that you showed me of uh -oh. some of the things, the anomalies that happened. Well, in addition to U.S. said with the chromosomes, um, and in. In in talking with your friends and physically going to the site and uh, uh, looking at the reports that were given to you from folks like Dr. Haggett um, to, you know, we've had uh, two paranormal investigations and people know the work of, of Colonel Stevens. I mean, you know, and, and that that was a hard one to tackle. Just Dan as Daniel, Daniel, let's. Let me ask you straight out. It's a yes or a no answer. Did they verify that I had graduated from three universities? Yes. Yes or no? Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. Did, they ver did they verify that I worked at the University of Washington Medical Center? Yes. And yes. we even went there. We even okay. went there, you and I. And we went to the area where you yes. were on the psychiatric floor. We got, we got in there. And as, as security found us, they said, you know, Jonathan, you can't be here. And with that, <laughs> they looked right. the other way and we scooted out the door. I mean, why, why, else would they, why else would they have said that unless they had been informed, you know? And, 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 and like I said, it's a Jonathan, of, of data. 
You know, it, it's just right. A, so they knew my name and my face. Exactly, Jonathan. Instead yeah. of "Hey, you stop! What are you doing here? You," it didn't happen. And so that you know, there were a lot of twists and turns in this. You know, that only I can speak to, that or only Jonathan can speak to, and those who and and people who, said, Augie, another oh, another factor that people wouldn't know is that Dan went and spoke to my aunt and uncle, one of my favorite relatives. And he noticed some things in their house. Talk about the pictures, Dan. Well, it was, it was pictures, pictures of me and the dog. Of you at, uh, I was, I'm sorry, but uh, of you younger, of you and of you, sorry, the powers of you and the dog, um, of you and your dog, Susie, uh, pictures of you younger, pictures of you with friends and family members, you know, only they would have, or, you know, your parents, unfortunately, you know, they Cause, cause, had passed. Because it was, and, we were made, we were made to believe, Augie, Augie, we were yeah. made to believe that I didn't even have a dog, that I'd never, I, ever had a dog. I had yeah. people ask me, I had people ask me, can you provide me with the name of the dog's veterinarian? Really, we're at, you're at that point, and we're we're in a far other direction. But just that kind of stuff made this even more difficult. But mm -hmm. I have the paperwork. I have the video documentation. I'm ready yeah. to talk about it, and always have been. Yeah, yeah. How, I, how and we have all over the world. And Holly in the chat room said that Dan also personally witnessed Dr. Reed using the link artifact device, the thing that looks like a cuff bracelet, along with two other people. So what? tell us about that. Well, I never witnessed energy like that before. And in a... In a in a good, uh, in a warm, comforting way of energy, and he and I, we did a lot of things. And there was this artifact or bracelet that was with the alien in the forest that he had kept, and it, it told no one about this because who knew what it was? It was a cuff, it was a bracelet, it was highly polished. And it, it it didn't it it looked like nothing that I had seen before. Not nothing that I had observed, or if I did, it was costume jewelry or theater theatrical prop. So he said, "Do you wanna do you wanna see what happens?" Uh, you can't, you know. That for now, this is just between us. And I said, "Absolutely." And um, we met two other folks who brought this thing with them, uncased it, and gave it to Jonathan, and he puts it on the wrist, and it's almost like it clamped down on him, and um, and he began to vibrate faster than a paint shaker, and this energy filled the room that was all bright and glowing and comforting, and you, I, you, you probably know about that type of energy, you, you know, that that thing that we look for in, 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 a, in, a, in an experience. And uh, 
And and I I've been in a real world deployment situation where time is definitely warped, and and uh, you see that you go through that, you don't come back the same, and so I don't know whether it was minutes it wasn't minutes perhaps it was seconds and i'm sitting next to him and these folks are sitting across a table in a conference room doors locked this is what's happening in the light he's shaking like and and all of a sudden i look over and he's not in the room anymore he's gone from the room a locked room with two other people i i i was overwhelmed by what just happened, imagine yourself sitting next to me at that conference room table. What the heck? What just happened? But what made it real for me, obviously, was being there, but the energy energy that it brought in the room. And I asked him later, I said, what happened to you? And because then, seconds later, the vibration, you could see it in 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 the room in the air and all of a sudden there he was slumped on the table slumped sick bones in the mouth what dan talk about the light that came first when i came back well well, that's what i was talking about this glowing golden orb of light in a locked closed room and i said to you where where and after you came back you are not in any condition to do anything. Those folks took that, wrapped it up, and left with it. And right. And, and those were and, my people. And, and and so how do you you can't document that other than being there and be willing to tell people and open up and say this is what happened. And and to and 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 dodge the bullets as they come. And you've also seen who would want, in your who home. would not want to have who would not want to have that type of experience. I can tell the folks that it happened at another time where we I wanted to I wanted to see what happened. I was I was prepared to to document that. And he, had, he put it on his bracelet and that didn't happen. But. It made him violently ill. It made his ears bleed. It made him foam at the mouth. And mm-hmm. I and after that, I wanted no part. Before, if he had said to me, "You want to try that?" I would say, "Absolutely." Where'd you go? He felt like it was the inside of a warm golden egg, and those those rays radiated throughout the room. I don't know how. I who could. Yeah, and I also remember there was some talk about that Jaime um, Mosan in Mexico City. Uh, he also had an experience, I think, with the bracelet. And you had it down there, and uh, you went on Mexican TV for 15, 20 million people and talked about it. Yeah, we talked Absolutely. about it for three hours. Yeah. And it it was... It was uh... A show air that came on at eleven o'clock at night, sort of one of those shows that had a uh, you know folks in in segments, and similar to Johnny Carson. Yeah, exactly. And, and so here would be you know here would be um, a singer, here would be uh, a comedian. I'm not fluent or wasn't fluent in Spanish then, but a lot of people left, and then it was our time. And we no, got but that to... that night, Dan, Dan, that yeah. night, 
They canceled everything else except for us. Yes. We were the and, only and, people and, on that show. And, and the reason I put it that way in term in those terms is how you saw the ratings. And back then it was it was Nielsen ratings. It was, you know, that type of work. But the next day, Jaime and I looked at it and, and the curve went up as our time grew more and more people. And when I say people, there's 20, 25 million people in Mexico City. And it was directly seen by 15 of them and then broadcast throughout America, throughout Latin America, into Europe, throughout the United States. And, and that only made things so what a whirlwind. You know, and, and yes. like I said, down there, we were able to produce the bracelet on TV in front of millions of people enclosed in a glass case. So it, nothing, nothing could happen hermetically sealed, uh, bulletproof. Glass. Armed guards. And and that's what I was going to get to. And when it come, when when we were talking about it, Jaime Musan was there. Robert Wraith was there. Jonathan was there. I was there with the host sitting next to him and when it, and all of a sudden in the middle of our discussion four heavily armed men in long trench coats appear and got it in front of him and he put it out on millions of people watching on tv you can you can look at it i'm sure on youtube or or a variety yes. of places you can see it happen yourself and that was part of the extent to which the Mexican government made it to ensure its safety and our safety, traveling with armed bodyguards, sleeping across the hall where they they had they had suction cups attached to the wall with with rope ready enough, if needed, to blow the windows and repel this them. Was in, the this was floor. in the hotel in Mexico City. Yeah, I'm, I'm, they I'm rented familiar. the entire entire floor for just me and my team for that presentation. They had mm -hmm. 20 armed guards for, that who stayed in that hotel for 24 hours while we were there, all wow. heavily armed. And because there had been threats made against my life and also against Jaime. So Jaime had this situation the security situation uh, put up for us it was incredible. And was willing to go on on international TV and and present us, him, the inner, the, the, the artifact, you know. And, and the story. And, and the story. And like I said, there were much Americans think history started in the late 18th century. Yeah, we are so wrong and we are so arrogant about it. You know, we're in other cultures, cryptozoological things, anomalous things, lights in the sky. Those those go back centuries. And and that's that's the history of it. In fact, even uh, I, I, in talk of talking to people, uh, a lot of, of Egyptologists think or would say that those markings on that cuff in black almost look like hieroglyphic symbols, not mm. just buttons. They weren't just buttons, you know. So, uh, you know, it, that was a fascinating aspect, but you only get that chance once. 
that's uh, I, once that I, once that went I, away. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I saw I saw a picture of it a long time ago, and it was was it one symbol, big one with smaller around there it. There were several. Yes. yes, there were several different ones that that had shapes, obviously, but it wasn't like a remote control that had pushed buttons on it. These were these were smooth at the same level of this thing that was made of composite elements and material, uh, gold, titanium, uh, silver, just a variety of, of elements yeah. that we knew and some we didn't know. But it was underneath, there was a screen of nanotechnology, black, that had needle-like syringes in it that when he put that thing on his arm on those occasions that he did, whether it worked or not, his arm came back with injection marks in three areas of his forearm. Mm. I took pictures of that, how do you, you know, even to the gunshot wound in, in his shoulder, I took pictures of that. I've been in, in conflict. I know what that looks like. And, Dan, and let, me, let me explain that. Let I'm me sorry. explain that, well, that after the first that, time, after the first so time I ever spoke in, in, uh, San Diego, I went where I was living in Vancouver, Canada. I went home and the next morning somebody came out from this little strip mall that I was having a cup of coffee at in the morning and nobody knew me. Nobody knew who I was and I made sure of that at that time. I came out broad daylight, a man walked up to me and stuck a gun directly into my chest and said nothing into my chest. I grabbed the gun, pushed it away from the center of my chest, and it fired, it went off. And I thought it missed me, but a walk stand, a man walking by said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm okay. He says, well, there's blood all down the front of you. It had gone through my shoulder and out the other side. Well, Dan, as a small arms expert, as a military guy, witnessed that hole in my shoulder when he met me in in uh Nova, in in las in vegas Laughlin. right Laughlin, yeah. excuse me uh about four months later and saw that that had happened and totally absolutely stated that it was a real gunshot wound yeah. now there's uh, people out the there that said there's people out there that said, oh, it was makeup or it was uh, self, self, I shot myself in the shoulder. I mean, everything you can believe has been said to it. But here is a man right now in front of you, Augie, that knows gun wounds and who witnessed it for himself. Hmm. He wasn't afraid to take off his shirt and no. show me. Because I asked him, show me that. because throughout it's so hard to to so many aspects and no. I, I see sorry. that we are, i see we are getting down to about five minutes left of the show and uh for the listeners here for what what you have heard here is probably some of the stuff that you haven't heard before so go back to Broadcast Team Alpha on the YouTube or BroadcastTeamAlpha.com and scroll down and find one or two, I think it's been three times has been a guest, 
listen right. to the show so you will hear the actual happenings and the interaction with the extraterrestrial. And then when you listen to that, go to Amazon. And I think you got a book up there, don't you? Yes. Buy the book. Yes. Yeah. The book is what? at Amazon uh, Kindle, and it's available. It's very uh, inexpensive, but it gives you a good background of how this all came about. Uh, it was co-written with my good friend, Robert Wraith, who unfortunately has left us a couple of years ago. But yeah. it's there for people to read, and they should read it if they want to understand what really happened in the beginning of all this. But I got to say, Augie, people need to understand that this contact with this little creature has continued for ever since 1996. It's continued to just a few days ago, I saw him again. Dan witnessed him in his house. He saw this creature. So it's not just for me he shows up for. He's probably been witnessed by another 75 to 100 people in, in, in their own homes, in their own businesses. He comes and goes when he wants. Uh, why we don't know for sure, other than he's monitoring me. Um, I became maybe his pet project. I'm sorry, but it even happened when we were speaking at a venue in Mexico, where, or excuse me, in Europe, where it happened in front of hundreds of people. Uh, uh, right in uh, Germany, a, an apparition, but certainly was something there. Could you be tangible and touch it? No, but. You felt it, and I think Laura, you, 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 Laura, you, you know that kind of pers see this from that kind of perspective. Um, yeah. So well, I, there's a lot of stuff in the book that uh, you will also not find in the interviews with him uh, on broadcast team alpha. So there's uh, good stuff in there that'll keep you up late at night, <laughs> especially right. when you get a chance to look at the picture. And yeah. that, you know, and then, you know, fascinating as we're examining this creature on video, all of a sudden you see it blinks its eye and you think it's dead, but it's not. And what it was playing possum, but oh my God. And you can see it in the video. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you can see a lot more verification in there also. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And and you know I've got the I've got the oral history I've got the videos and the documents. So I Daniel I Daniel was a godsend to help document all this with all of our other researchers. He did a just a great amount of work during these two years, uh, mm -hmm. literally following my footsteps, seeing people attack me and my uh, teammates from nowhere for no apparent reason but people trying to uh, basically persuade me to quit talking about what had happened to me well that was a long time ago and they haven't they haven't put me down yet so i'm still talking and, but and I, as i told you the the more open and spread out this was your safety was ensured because when it when no one knew you, and you could have walked in front of a truck, that's right. Would have known. But the the more 
open, the more people that knew if something happened, mm -hmm. I, I would raise my eyebrows. But there's yeah. still a lot of people that aren't here now who have helped me. And we know that it is most likely because they helped me that they're no longer here. And all I can say is God bless everyone who has been so so generous to me and, and who has helped me along the way. And I say thank you to everyone, including you and, and Nori and uh, uh, Augie. It's, it's good to talk with people who bring me some kind of kindness over the years. And I so appreciate your time. Thank you yep. for being here. Absolutely. I second that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And hopefully lots of people will read the book and really get the details. Um, you know, right. I, re I remember the first time you told the story and there was a lot of things that are just integral, yes. you know, to, to getting a real feeling for what was going on. So thank you for being with us. And I hope you'll join us again in the not too distant future. Thank the you. The so ongoing much. story. Yeah. Thank you. Thank so you so much. Okay. Well, thank you for being with us. And uh, and we will be back next week on Broadcasting Alpha again. And until then.